Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Welcome to Cool Thing Presents. My name is Michael Webster and I will be your solo host for today as Luke is getting a haircut. Coming up on today's show, we have our part two of our interview with James Defrond. He is the BAFTA-winning director for Murder in Successville and more recently, BBC comedy King Gary. Also coming up in the show today, we're going to play some exclusive tracks that were released this year from our own label, Cool Thing Records. I'd like to play now one of my favourite tracks of the year. It wasn't released on our label. Nonetheless, this is Crocodile by Melt Yourself Down. That was Crocodile by Melt Yourself Down. It's taken from their current album, which is called 100% Yes. Luke and I had a chat with Pete Wareham from the band um, just a few weeks ago. Um, it's fascinating. He's the saxophonist and the songwriter in Melt Yourself Down. But he was also in Polar Bear and Acoustic Ladyland beforehand. Really interesting chat. So tune in in a few weeks to hear that. Pete also did the score for King Gary, which we mentioned in part one of our interview with James Defrond. And we're now going to hear part two. So James, film and TV production is a collaborative process. Um, and when working with other departments, how do you work with them to achieve your vision? And how do you navigate your way around really difficult characters? Because there's lots of them in the, in the film industry. Uh, yeah, there are. None of them work with me, though. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Uh, my team's lovely. Um, and, you know, they all work for each other. And that's, that's the beauty um, of, of what we do, right? It's the alchemy of, of, of everyone coming together. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, that's a good thing about when you get to my, my stages, you know, you get to choose the people you work with. When you're, when you're coming up, you don't. And that's when you have to deal with the, uh, the what's it. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's everything for me. It's, it's, it's all departments coming to one vision. And as I said before, music's part of that. And, you know, um, I've always worked with the same DOP, Roy, who's amazing. Um, I've never changed the cameraman that I've worked with on all the big shows I've done. Um, and it starts with him. It starts with the lens we're going to use. It starts with the color palette. It starts with the grade. We decide on the grade and the look before we even start filming so that we've got that colour palette to look at. Um, so, you know, for Gary, we knew we wanted it to feel warm and sunny and slightly Americana in its feel. Mm. So we got lots of references for that. Um, and, and the music, I wanted to be, you know, 
had that sort of you know uplifting thing as well and and then you and then you tune everyone into that you know um you know um, from the art department production design you know tuning into the color palette and you know um, that we want it to be colorful you know the characters are colorful costumes colorful set design colorful really going for strong um strong strong images so it, it, it's you know get costume talking to production design I, I think getting other departments to talk to each other rather than just just through you do you know what i mean so that everyone's tuning into the you know and depending on the show you know mood boards and things that people are you know someone like murder and successful i had i had an i think i was using an app at the time that i got everyone to have um and i was just loading in for each episode I'd load in the references for um, the lighting for each set and the design and just bundles of film references so that everyone was tuning into the same thing. Um, and that's when something looks good. It's like, you know, the cameras are amazing these days. The lenses are incredible. You know, we couldn't be working with better equipment, but, you know, to make something look good, you need to think about it. And, and that, that's down to the set that they're on, the lighting of the set that they're on um, and all of those things. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's everything to me. I, I, it's weird because I take such an interest in costume um, and such an interest in design. And, and you, you'd be surprised how surprised um, people are because a lot of directors don't. They just... They just and then they complain because they turn up and it's not how they wanted and it's like well you've not communicated <laughs> you've not communicated you're not spoken to anyone that you know this is how you want it um, and uh, a lot of directors don't they just don't do it you know and that's the difference between something looking different and and, and uh, original and having its own you know I, I'm I'm geeky down to the font so I'm I've decided I was I've, I decide the font you know when I'm deciding the grade and all of that I, it, it it's you know it's um yeah it I, I think about all of that and all of that before we start filming rather than finding it in the edit a lot of people find stuff in the edit and i feel like getting all of those elements in in place that everyone's tuning into up front is is much better particularly with king gary actually like the, the title screens like the actual typeface that comes up with just king gary and I think in the the pilot in the first episode i think he's he's down at the david lloyd center and he's he's when he stands up, I think he's got some beers or something, and he says King Gary either side of him. Just just that typeface and the way it comes up and the way it just briefly comes up on the screen. And even with, um, you know, as you, you've said to me before, the Melt Yourself Down soundtrack that just comes on at that point really was iconic, actually, and you sort of kept that going mm. through each episode. It was excellent. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. I mean, the pilot was great. The um, Yeah, because he sits on the sun lounger and the waiter's got three pints behind his head and it looks like a crown, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Three, three pints of beer, which is very much that character. Um, um, but yeah, it's 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 important. Yeah, and the, and 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 the music as well. So um, yeah, so the same as everything. I did a playlist for Gary, and I got quite. I was listening to a lot of Sons of Kemet, and I was listening to is it the comics coming? And and melt yourself down. Um, but just that sort of dubby modern jazz. Uh, and I was also quite obsessed with, there was a series called Vice Principles, which Danny McBride did in um, in America, he did Eastbound and Down, and they used a lot of percussion for drama in that series, and I thought that was interesting. So I sort of, bits of Magic Drum Orchestra, um, just how percussion can be used to build tension and stuff. Um, and then, so this playlist was building, and then just listening to, yeah, Sons of Kemet, Melt Yourself Down, and Horns, um, 
and it just worked for Gary. I tell you what it is. It's like, <laughs> it's a it's a really cool ver- it's a really cool version of a comedy trombone. <laughs> 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 You're like that. And 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 Gary is this big sort of do- doofus, this big goofball, you know, with a big beer belly sort of plodding along, you know. Exactly that. Exactly that. If you've tuned, <laughs> for those of you that have just tuned in, you haven't tuned into the Bizarre Trumpet channel, this is still Soho Radio. Yeah, they've clicked culture on the Soho Radio <laughs> thing, and then they've got ask out of... <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what I had in my head, and it was that sort of comedy trombone of big man with knickers in twist, um, and, and, and the horns um, um, of Sons and Kevin, it melted itself down, sort of made a cool version of that. There's a particular track which I think I've chosen, um, uh, of Santa Kemet, which 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 has that, and it and and it just worked. It worked for Gary. It worked for, and then what I did was through a, a friend of mine, Joseph Cullen, who was our music supervisor. He managed to get in contact with Pete, melt himself down, who was in between bits, and I got fucking real musicians to my soundtrack, which is like unheard of. Um, and and he is super cool. And I just remember going to his house sitting in his studio and he's he's a fucking you know rather than a lot of stuff that's scored for telly is a guy on a computer you know in his room you know with just his pants on <laughs> you know <laughs> just just sending you stuff that he's done on his computer because that's all the budget can afford you um so that's that you know which is a shame you know the bigger stuff you know you can afford more but so to have a proper musician and i was sat in his studio and he's picking up fucking saxophones and trumpets and just Going, what about this? What about that? And it was just the coolest thing. Um, mm. And so, and so, we built the soundtrack with him, and um, uh, and he brought in a drummer to do the percussion bits, which we did use to build drama and tension, and then the horns for sort of you know the the, the Gary theme, if you like. Um, um, so yeah. And James, did he like? Did he actually kind of perform to the visuals? Were they? Was it already shot, or did did he kind of do it? Just give you a load of different soundtracks, and you kind of edited them as you were doing the final edit. He um he which is how it normally works as well. He he put together uh, the theme. You know we got we got the theme hook um, nailed, and then he did a few other things that we could thought oh we could use that for you know if he's on a mission to go somewhere else or whatever. Just some nice other hooks. But we're like that's definitely the title theme. That's the title theme. This could be used for the credits. Um, um, and then I'd cut together a show, send him an edit. With roughly his music put in, and then he'd fine tune it, or, right. or 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 in the edit, I'd go, I need something like this. Um, but you know what? He he ended up. There's a bit in Pastor Abusi when he does a team talk, and there's a beautiful piece of piano music which is really slow. Um, he did that for me as well. So mm-hmm. away from the sort of the the horns and the you know his thing, um, he composed that as well, and he did it with horns to begin with. And it was just didn't work. And then, you know, that great thing about music where it was the same music but played with a piano. And it was, oh, wow. it, it, it was beautiful. Worked a treat. Um, so uh, so he's amazing, man. Um, Pete Wareham is a nice guy. Really talented. Um, and, and just so lucky to work with proper musicians on, on Gary. Still sticking with successful collaborations and stuff. Is there anybody that you'd love to work with, musical or otherwise? Um... Oh, that's a good question. 
Would you uh, like me to do some bizarre trumpet music while you're thinking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, not off the top of my head. Um, the, my my current my current project is set in 1984. Um, so my current playlist is is just 80s music, and that's been a interesting um, adventure because I didn't want to go obvious 80s because I feel like you've seen so much stuff in the 80s and it's like all of the obvious pop songs mm -hmm. which great when there's a time and a place but for a soundtrack I just wanted to steer clear of of the obvious ones so um I've, I've, I've been having fun putting together playlists and I've got a couple of other guys that have been working with me just finding some more rare stuff as well but there's so much great music from the 80s punk reggae mm. you know that, that that you don't hear enough of um and so uh yeah i've gone down more that route uh, i think if if you're in a pub or you're at a wedding uh or you're in a cafe then that's where you have the uh, the pop music because it's in the real life but for soundtrack for something that's like you know for a car chase or something i think you know um finding those tunes that that are still bangers but not everyone's heard is is such a such a fun thing Oh, totally, yeah. yeah. I, listened to a, I listened to a Prince B-side at the weekend, which I hadn't heard before, uh, called, I think it's called Shockadelica. I was like, what is this? You know, I mean, this is crazy for it, you know, and he does amazing, like, experimental stuff, but I love it when you find a little a little um, nugget of gold that nobody's, nobody's found before. It's my favourite thing. It's my favourite thing. And then, you know, I've got a thing on, spot, on that Spotify where it recommends... Mm the discover thing so because i'm doing playlists for projects it will then just give me a load of you know stuff that you know discover weekly yeah and just those little nuggets that you find um and the privilege that i have as a director is if you put in the right piece of music to the right pictures i feel it's a real privilege it, it really is it's a special thing to do that because it's so powerful you know the first song that i chose the revolution was the first time that i put a track to music years ago and just was like oh fuck you know that's shit that's really poignant and lovely and and it just makes this the end of this scene so much stronger um and uh and just the, yeah the opportunity to do that and then from that you, it opens up a different part of your brain which is lovely because you you listen to music in a different way you listen to music with visuals in your head and a potential scene that you could put it to um um which is lovely you know um and then you find out that you can't clear it in the edit <laughs> <laughs> and then you're utterly heartbroken uh, literally for weeks because you sold yourself from the fucking playlist you put together before you filmed it that's the song that's the song that i'm going to use and then you can't use it <laughs> and that's when you get someone writing a real kind of crap cover version of it where one chord is slightly different yeah. <laughs> you see on all the adverts <laughs> I, i've I watched something a little while back with the, the, the kind of dungeon scene in uh, Pulp Fiction uh, where, with the gimp and all the rest of it. It was meant to have uh, the Knack's um, My Sharona in it. Oh, really? I, and I thought, no way. The, the bit of music that they landed with was perfect. Yeah, right? perfect for that. That's what you yeah. I remember. But so I guess sometimes, you know, I suppose it can, you know, might push it somewhere else, I suppose. But <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't quite picture that scene with my Sharona. No, I'm trying to. <laughs> It's deeply worrying, you know. <laughs> By the knackers. <laughs> um, keeping it with uh, an 80s theme, um, in the, I saw that interview that you did with Pete from Melt Yourself Down, and mm. in that you mentioned about that you were working 
on a screenplay of Banana Man. Yes. I just I just was looking at you and thinking, am I allowed to mention that? But um, I, mean, I, can, I absolutely yeah. loved Banana Man, particularly the soundtrack. Um, yeah. what, in, what inspired you to start working on this and when are we likely to see it? Because I would love to see it. Um, it's a winner, right? It's out of everything yeah. that I speak to people about what I'm doing, it's the one they seem the most interested in. Oh, and, man, and, and it'll probably be the hardest one to get away. But um, <laughs> um, So I, I, I love Banana Man. I, I, I've always also loved the idea of doing a British superhero because we've never had one. And um, our cinemas are dominated by, literally dominated by superhero films, mm. Marvel films, DC. Um I mean, our comedy films now are superhero films, Deadpool, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. So they just dominate all genres through superhero films. <laughs> um, but we've never had a British one, and he'd be shit, wouldn't he? He'd be really shit, uh, and he wouldn't be on the WhatsApp group of Iron Man and everyone else. Uh, he'd be a bit of a laughing stock. So I've just always been quite obsessed by the idea of a shit superhero. Um, and uh, I've been tracking the rights for Banana Man for seven years. Um, the story uh -huh. is somebody got somebody got the rights to make the film, and they got the I think I can't remember what the studios was, and they didn't do anything with it for five years. Didn't do anything with it. I think there was a bit of a fallout over the tone of it. Um, I think that they wanted to. So it's DC Thompson that owned Beano that owned it. I think they wanted to do a live action, um, and uh, this studio wanted to do an animation, claymation animation. You know. DC were like, no, we want to do live action. And like, no, we want to do claymation. And then they just, uh, and then the studio went, well, we're not going to do anything. And they just sat on the rights for five years. Just didn't do anything because they had the rights. They had the IP. So anyway, I've been monitoring this. And then cut a long story short, a mate of mine got a job to head up DC and their creative output. And he rang me up and said, uh, I've got this new job working for DC Thompson. I was like, hold on, hold on. Does that mean you look after Banana Man? And he's like, yeah, that's why I want to speak to you. Um, so I had a meeting with him. He's like, we've just got the rights back um, and um, we're looking to develop it. And they've, they've been quite ambitious with how they modernise their back catalogue. Mm. So they've got like, you know, Dennis the Menace, all, all of that stuff, you know. The, the, the numbskulls, remember the numbskulls, mm, all of yeah. that. So they're trying to, trying to reimagine all of that stuff for a sort of Netflix market. Um, and I said, I'd love to do a Banana Man movie, you know, go you know, a spoof of Marvel movies through a shit superhero that becomes a superhero through eating bananas. Um, <laughs> we, 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 we need to do this. So I've written a story, I've written the story and I've basically made it so it's a believable origin story of Banana Man. Because obviously in the cartoon, he eats banana, he just turns into a superhero, which is just a bit, I know, you know, superheroes aren't believable, but, but just trying to make that feel like a believable thing. So I've sort of done this whole origin story um, of of uh, of how he becomes Banana Man. Um, so it, it it very much starts from the beginning, and then sort of basically it's how he becomes the superhero. So you don't start the movie and it's he's a superhero. It's, it's sort of it's the origin story. Um, I'm waiting to hear whether we can progress further with it. Oh man, oh. it sounds like so. Was it was it radioactive potassium? Was that the yeah. Was it, is that the cru cru crux of the evolution into Banana Man? Yeah. Well, also, I, I because I, I got I got quite obsessed with just bananas, and they're quite amazing <laughs> things, right? I think they're, they're the funniest fruit. They are. <laughs> Don't like bananas. They're Love they're, them, um, <laughs> they're a they're a superfood. 
Um, and um, they, they, they've got some pretty special stuff in them. And um, uh, we share DNA with bananas as well. Humans do. Um, 60, 40% or so. It's some mad thing. There's, there's loads of real statistics that are believable about how amazing bananas are. So my whole thing is just, yeah, if, if, you, if you combined banana, if you took a thousand bananas, concentrate and mixed it with some sort of, yeah, Saturnium or whatever, would it give a man, <laughs> would it give a man, you know, super, superhuman powers, you know, making, making the powers of bananas believable. Um, so that's, that's how I've done it. So it, it's less, it's more of a gradual thing. And it's not, it turns him into a superhero. It turns him into a big muscular man with a chin like a sink. And <laughs> sort of the, 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 the superhero costume and all the flying and everything else he has to learn comes later. I, um, I, 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 I love it. You've just reminded me of something. It's my last tangent of the of the episode. But uh, last last Christmas, I was buying some comics for my dad um, for, for Christmas, and I went into one in Soho, and I was looking at the cult comic section. I just picked a bunch up, and then just put put them all in like wrapping paper, gave it to him, and on Christmas Day, he opened it up, and there was like um, uh, Edam wax play suit bodysuit man. So this, and he had so he had like red wax, and he would like. But I just realised it was kind of had this like S and M subtext to it, and I was giving it to my dad on Christmas Day. <laughs> it's like, da, da, da. it's not really for me, son. <laughs> but if that can exist in a world, Banana Man sure can. Who was well, the yeah, and also guy? just well, Banana Man. Yeah, uh, it was um, Doctor Gloom. Doctor Gloom. Yeah, is that the guy who had the like the um, sort of crash helmet on his head? Yeah, that's him. <laughs> yeah, so Doctor Gloom is the baddie in my story as well. Um, uh, but but the thing that I've done is just just how the British media and public would react to a British superhero. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a funny thing because they just wouldn't have it, would they? It's like the Americans would be like, "Oh, it's Spider-Man," um, but they're just so cynical that, um, that yeah, it takes be a like, lot. Go on. What, what do you look yeah, like? Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, <laughs> fucking madman. Um, it's it's really exciting. Tom would be Banana Man. It's it's a it's a it's a collaboration with us. Um, you know, it it would be a joy to make. I sort of feel like my whole pitch for it is is to go family. So don't go Deadpool with it. Go go family viewing because I think mum and dad will go through the nostalgia mm. of the cartoon but try and reintroduce this sort of big city superhero for the kids as well. And and um and it could be a real event sort of cinema thing um if 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 we get to do it. But films are hard man. So we've got a couple of feature ideas. That is one of them. It's probably the most ambitious that we'd need a lot of money for. But um but we we'll see how we go. See how we go. But um, but go yeah, big or go home. well, yeah, yeah, you got you got to really, or you know, we might do a smaller film, you know, and then in a couple of years' time, we'd be ready for Banana Man. But it's good to start the process, these things take ages, man. You know, it would take another if we got it through, studio takes it on, it would take another year to write it, I'm sure. Um, and by the time you raise the money to get you that, you know, so you just need to get these things started. Started, but everyone I speak to is excited about Banana Man. So hopefully, film studios will be as well. Holy man! So um, we talking of the future. We've got like one more question, and then we're gonna play out with your with your final track, if that's all right, James. Mm. Yeah. All right. So, um, the final question is: 
where do you see film and TV going in the future? Uh, from a comedy point of view? Whichever point of view you want to stand in. <laughs> uh, it's weird, isn't it? Because everything goes in cycles, I think. Um, uh, with TV, with TV comedy, you know, um, you know, you get a lot of comedy dramas that aren't really comedies, but they're really good and they might make you smile, but it's got a good story, good characters. And, um, but it's not, you know, it's not belly laugh. It's not, you know, is that comedy? It's comedy. What is comedy? I, I don't know. I get confused sometimes. Um, but I think there's been a wave of that. I feel like there'll then be a, a need, especially coming out of what we've been through for stuff that's just really funny, that's just silly, that's just going to try and make you laugh and cheer you up. I think that's a good thing. Um, uh, dramas are dominating everything because people love dramas. Um, uh, and even not very good dramas seem to continue because people just, you know, um, some really bad ones, um, but they just continue because I think people just just like to watch things with twists and turns, you know, um, and they might not be that, you know, that great, um, but they're just, they're just easy to watch, I guess. Um, it's harder, it's harder to make comedy. It's harder to get a hit in comedy. I feel like you can make an okay drama <laughs> and it, and it, and it breezes, but comedy's black and white. You either find it funny or not. It's either a hit or it's a failure. There's nothing in the middle at all. Um, film wise, uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with British film. I don't think we do enough of it. I don't think we do enough comedy films. I'd like to see a change in that. You know, the only comedy films we do is about a posh wedding gone wrong mm. or, um, or it's, you know, you've earned your stripes with a TV series that's been a success and you get to do the film version. And it's like, why can't we do an original comedy film? You know, an original, I don't know, Anchorman or Planes, Trains and all of those, what, you, know, like a, it's, you know, just an original good idea that's got a decent budget. We've got the best writers, we've got great talent. Um, and I think, I think more writers should go for films and they don't because I think they're scared of it. Um, and um, I don't know how you help that process. Um, you know, we'd love to do a film one day, um, the original film, you know. Um, more so, you know, we, we got approached to do a film with King Gary after the first series. And we're like, really? hold up. <laughs> Hold up, we've done, you know, we've we've done one series for one, but also it's a TV series. Let it be a TV series. That's what it is. That's what its strength is. It's a family sitcom. Um, you know, we'd love to do an original film idea, but people are scared because they're like, oh, that's a that's a success. People are watching that. That's got five million views on iPlayer, so that's got an audience. Therefore, we'll be able to sell this many cinema tickets. That's how people work. They think about the business rather than the creative first. So I don't know how you fix that. It's a, it takes risk taking, which people don't like to do, especially in the current climate. Um, that was a really long answer, wasn't it? But, uh, no, that's fine. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good answer. Good answer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure where it goes, but, um, you know, uh, in comedy, you know, we just, we just, you know, and the stuff we do, we just, you know, we do just want to make you laugh. And that's, you know, that's the thing that we concentrate on, you know. Um, um, but, uh, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Well, man, you've, you've, you've made some amazing work, and I'm I'm pretty certain that most things, or absolutely everything you're going to do in the future, is going to be 
going to be gold. You know, I'm really looking forward to like Banana Man and some of the other, the other things that you've we've spoken about off air. They all sound yeah. like really, really great projects, and I can't wait to see them. Yeah, same for Thank me, you. man. Thanks so much for coming on, and just the whole point of the show was to do some arts advocacy stuff, and uh, you know, get people's stories out there so it inspires others to do stuff. And your one is super inspiring. So thanks so much for sharing it. Cheers, man. No worries. So we're gonna, before we go, we're going to uh, play your last track, and if you can just introduce it for us and uh, just tell us a little bit about it. What was this one? It was called My Queen is um, Mamie Phipps Clark by Sons of Kemet. That is one <laughs> hell of a name. <laughs> I'm glad you made me read that one out. You looked under pressure, Mike, when you were saying that. No, because I forgot to put the word Mamie down there. It just said Phipps Clark. I was like, oh, no, I'm going to get it wrong. I'm going to get it wrong. I thought your skin was going to fold down and a banana was going to emerge all of a sudden. <laughs> um, so the next song is uh, My Queen is Mammy Fitz Clark by Thunder Kemet. Um, and the reason I chose this was everything we talked about with the comedy trombone. This is the track. This is the cool version of, um, yeah, Big Stupid Man with Knickers in Twist uh, to comedy trombone, but with a, a cool modern jazz thing. So this is the whole inspiration for the soundtrack of King Gary, basically. You might want to cut all the stuff that we talked about for like... <laughs> 10 minutes because it's basically about this track <laughs> <laughs> okay thanks all for coming on james thanks man all right mate no worries that was my queen is mammy phipps clark not mamie phipps clark as i actually said in the show by Sons of Kemet. That track was selected by James DeFrond, and I'd like to thank him again for coming on the show. I really enjoyed talking to him about his uh, journey, especially getting into the film industry and the fact that he didn't go to uni. I, I found fascinating that he just learnt on the job and uh, just started to do things a little bit maverick and in his own way, and respect for that. I'd like to uh, introduce you to... Uh, an artist that we've just released actually on on Cool Thing Records. Um, this is an artist who goes under the name of Blab. She's a solo artist. Her real name's Frances Murray. And we've mentored her for a year or so on the label. And we're really, really pleased with, with what she's come up with. Um, anyway, it'd be great to hear what you think. This is R.I.P. from Blab. <laughs> 